It's time for the latest local, regional, and national sports topics of the day. It's the Sports Fan, presented by J&K Contracting. Ready? Ready? Now, from the WATH studios, here's Connor Mills and Joey Madore. From the studios of WATH, this is the Sports Fan on 970 and 97.1 FM. Connor Mills and Mike alongside Joey Medores. We got you up until 7 o'clock today. How about that? It's been a while since the Sports Fan presented by JK Contracting has been on the air. We've had a lot of Cincinnati Reds, but 6.06 on the clock on this third day of, what is it now, September. Third day of September, 78 degrees and partly sunny outside here in southeast Ohio. Again, presented by JK Contracting. And Joey, it's been since what? Last Friday. Last Friday, yeah. yeah. Because it's been a, uh, we, we had that shortened show on Friday with the Reds because uh, the Reds played at 640. But today the Reds don't play. They've had games or at least pre-games starting at 610. Uh, they've had their struggles, but they did come out on top of the walk-off win thanks to Joey Votto yesterday. Uh, but Votto driving in Shogo Akiyama to win the game 4-3 to three before they had to go into extra innings. Uh, but that was a good good win for the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, they got the day off today, and then they go back at it tomorrow. And there will be a doubleheader tomorrow for Cincinnati. Unfortunately, uh, we will not have the, uh, the Reds game on. But fortunate for, I guess, the rest of us is that it will be, you know, high school football again. And with high school football... Uh, the Athens Bulldogs return right here to WATH. We'll have Eastern and Trimble over on our sister station, WXTQ. Uh, and from there, you know, it will be a uh, another good week two matchup of football. Yeah, uh, we had a couple uh, pretty good games week one. Of course, Athens uh, got up on Alexander early, and Alexander uh, hung in there, made a, a one-possession game in the end. Athens got a big turnover late in the ball game to win that one. And then, of course, uh, you know, just a great game between uh, Trimble and NY, 34-28. Connor, you were on the call. You know, 21 unanswered points for NY in the third quarter to get themselves back in the ball game. But Trimble, with that uh, that new-look team they got, uh, prevailed. And, you know, I, I can't say it's shocking, uh, even though both of us said NY, we thought maybe they would uh, have the edge in that game. Uh, you know, you can't count a Phil Ferris coach team out, especially uh, Trimble, the success they've had around here as of late and they got uh, got themselves off to a good start this season yeah I don't, it's a uh, you know last Saturday it was all tremble until the second half uh, the second half it seems like a new life was was breathing to, to NY it seemed that you know Drew Carter kind of turned a little bit of a corner the, the turnovers were a little bit of an issue with with Nelsonville York uh, and you know it's always been a good tremble defense and tremble has always very been very talented uh, on on defense, uh, but this is not, and obviously it's not the same team as it was last year. Last year's team only gave up six regular season points, uh, now with a touchdown to Worthington Christian. Other than that, you know, I mean, they were almost flawless for the regular season, but this is a different Trimble team. This is a team that is going to have to go through some growing pains, uh, but coming out on top, uh, as young as they are against an experienced team in Nelsonville, York, well coached by Rusty Richards, uh, you know, it is a positive sign to see out of Gloucester today or from on Saturday. Yeah, and what, uh, what you got to talk about, you're talking about the turnovers with Drew Carter, uh, which you have to realize, you know, young quarterback, his first time starting at the varsity level at the quarterback position. A couple of those turnovers, uh, you know, they're going to happen, but, uh, you know, they made a good effort to make that a ball game late, and uh, it was a real good game there for uh, NY. Obviously, they didn't come out on the right side of things, but I think uh, you can't have too much shame, you know, when you 
lose a game to a, such a talented Trimble team like they did just by one possession. I think they have a lot to look forward to this season. Absolutely. I mean, they can just... I, I, I think the sky's the limit for it. You know, I, I think the Trimble Tomcats can really you know, improve, get better, and, and get ready to go uh, as the season goes along. And I think the same goes for Nelsonville, York, too, right? Because it was a, a little bit of a slow start with everything that's been going on. You, you don't know what how teams are going to react. You don't know how teams are really going to, you know, show up on week number one. Uh, but, you know, it was almost a, a time ball game. Uh, they were down by six points, 40, uh, 38 or 34 to 28. I can just mix and match those numbers anywhere. But you know, 34 to 28, I mean, that's a pretty close ball game considering where the last two matchups have been. Uh, and, you know, we, we gotta, we'll see what, what they really have. Uh, it'll be a, a good game for Nelsonville York this week. And, of course, our game of the week will be Trimble and Eastern over on WXTQ. Uh, and that Eastern team lost to Caldwell, I believe. 34 uh, to 20. Yeah, 34 to 20. So let's see how they respond. Eastern's projected to be a good team this year. Uh, but we will have Russ Heltman on the sports fan coming up pretty soon. I think, I don't know if he's on the phone right now. I tried to call out to him. I don't know if we're having issues with our phone line or not, but let's see. Russ, are you there? Connor, my man, I'm here, brother. How we doing? Awesome. I didn't know if that was going to work because I've never really, I mean, you've been in this studio before, Russ. I mean, we typed in the number on the Gettner and uh, sent it out, but it's good to hear your voice. How have you been? Yes, sir. I'm, I'm fantastic, brother. Just counting down the days till kickoff next Thursday. Bengals mashing up with the Chargers at 1 p.m on uh on sunday so i can't wait to get it rolling absolutely and russ Altman, the producer host and also runs the social media for sports radio 1065 or 106.5 toledo's home for espn radio and ohio state football uh you do a great job over there you're also a contributor for all bangles a part of the si now uh sports illustrated and you know of course former former bobcat your alumni and your uh i guess alumni here at the station uh, but it's good to have you on. It's good to, you know, have you, you know, covering the Bengals. Yes, sir, my man. I'm glad you you and uh, that Joey Medor, is that, is that who's on the uh, on the show with you today? I'm yes, sir, Russ. How you doing, man? The, I'm doing great, man. Glad, glad you guys are uh, holding the fort down strong with WXTQ, WATH, keeping the, uh, keeping the alumni crew rolling over there. And I was mistaken. The Bengals play the Chargers at 4 o'clock. Nice little, uh, nice little afternoon session on, on Sunday, September 13th. Can't wait to get the season going. Well, absolutely. I mean, this is a season that I think most Bengal fans and I think a lot more people here in Athens are really anticipating and really uh, you know, hoping to have because, of course, when you, the number one overall draft pick is right from here, the Plains, Athens County, uh, and going all, only down to Cincinnati. I mean, that is a huge, huge boost, uh, I think, for the Bengals and I think for you know, football here for the Bengals in the local area. Undoubtedly, Connor. It's It's so exciting and kind of surreal honestly because i'm from cincinnati as you know from the east side anderson township grew up a massive Bengals fan there I, I i hesitate to say i'm still a fan because i'm covering the team now but i'm rooting for them to do well because you always want to cover a successful football team much more fun to write uh write winning stories than losing stories but the fact that joe burrow a guy that grew up in the same same town where i went to college for four years is now the head man the face of the franchise that i grew up loving it's all very surreal, and I, um, I'm the, the one sad thing I am. A, the one thing I am sad about the whole thing is the fact that no fans will be able to get to see Joe Burrow's debut on uh, next Sunday against the Chargers. But you know what? They're playing football. They're keeping it rolling. Fingers crossed. Haven't had too many 
uh, big issues with coronavirus surrounding the NFL. So that's been a great development over the past month. And it seems like we're barreling towards a uh, scheduled, uh, on-time scheduled start for the NFL season. And, you know, we could only hope that, you know, the season goes as smooth as really what that NBA bubble has really, really done because you, I don't mm-hmm. think there's been any positive tests uh, for that NBA bubble. You say whatever you want to say uh, about the different methods that people are using, but you know, when you don't have any positive tests uh, with one method, yeah, that's a pretty, pretty good sign. Um and something that I know it's not really workable with the NFL, uh, but they might try to do something like that, especially off the fields. It'll be, it'll be very curious to me what they do for the playoffs, Connor and Joey, because, you know, there's only going to be 14 teams as opposed to the full 32. There has been rumblings that they might institute a playoff bubble in one of the, one of the warm weather cities, maybe in L.A. or Vegas or something like that. But hopefully, if they're able to keep the outbreaks to a minimum and get through November without any major issues, I think they might just pull trigger and go forward with a normal playoff slate. And I personally would would prefer that as opposed to bubbling up and just kind of throwing even more variables and more asterisks, quote-unquote, into these sports seasons that we've had during the coronavirus. So to me, I'm just... I would. I want football and I want playoffs regardless, but I'm hoping they're able to keep it normal, uh, normal playing fields and normal playing times once we get to that point in the season. Hopefully we do get to that point in the season. So, Ross, focusing back in on the Bengals here, of course, uh, the big, big news of the week, I think, is, you know, Joe Mixon signing the four-year, $48 million extension with the team. And, you know, I feel like over these past few years, people have kind of gotten wary to pay paying uh, big money to running backs because of, you know, what happened to guys like Todd Gurley, Zeke Elliott didn't have the best season last year after making big money. Uh, what was kind of your take on that move from the Bengals? Well, first, uh, first impression when I saw the news come down from, uh, from Ian Rappaport of NFL Network, four years, $48 million, you think, all right, $12 million a year, that's a little steep. But when you dive into the ins and outs of this contract, and I did just that for all Bengals yesterday, you can check out my article, How Does Joe Mixon's Contract Impact the Future of Other Players on the Bengals Roster? And to be blunt, it doesn't impact it very much at all because of the scenario that the Bengals find themselves in on their current timeline. you got a rookie quarterback on a rookie-scale salary that ranks 25th, or excuse me, the Bengals rank 25th in the NFL currently on quarterback spending at that position. And they also have a rookie left tackle, or a quote-unquote rookie left tackle. General Williams missed his whole 2019 rookie season with an injury, but when you have the two most important and two most expensive guys on your roster on rookie deals for the next three years in Jonah Williams' case and four years in Joe Burrow's case, it gives you the flexibility to pay a guy like Joe Mixon, who is only signed through his age 28 season. After that, that's kind of the Mendoza line for running backs when they start to really fall off a cliff in terms of production. So to me, if they're able to keep Joe Mixon upright get him the ball more in the passing game, especially I would love to see him play a larger majority of the snaps this year and kind of denigrate the role of Gio Bernard to more of a full on backup, as opposed to bringing him on almost bringing him onto the field on almost every single third down, then that's going to really make it a valuable proposition to keep Joe mixed around at this number. It all hinges though on the coaching staff's ability to unleash his talents. And it's a talented back in the fact that Joe Mixon behind arguably a, 
easily a bottom five offensive line since mm-hmm. he came into the league. He has put up 4.3 yards per carry over the last two years. In 2019, he was only stuffed behind the line of scrimmage, guys, 30 times on 278 carries. This guy just made something out of nothing each and every time he touched the ball. And in the back half of the season, only one player rushed for more yards than Joe Mixon last year, and that was the Titans' Derrick Henry, who, funny enough, got a very similar deal right around $12.5 million per year Mm. from his respective team in Tennessee. So to me, I was a little hesitant to give – Thumbs up on this deal because, like you mentioned, Joey, it's a brutal proposition normally to pay a running back. But because of the age of Joe Mixon, because of the age of the other expensive positions on the roster and the prospects of increased production throughout the majority of this contract, then I do honestly think it's the smart move to pay Joe Mixon. But the coaching staff, it's now on them to make sure they maximize this deal and get the most value out of it as possible. You know, if, as we take a look, you know, throughout, I mean, you got the Ravens, you've got, you know, you know, the Browns, the Bengals, and the Steelers. And it seems like, you know, they either have an upcoming prospect of a quarterback, whether it be, you know, the reigning MVP and Lamar Jackson with the Ravens. Uh, of course, you know, who, who's the uh, the running? I just looked it up. Who's the running back for, for you guys? You had um, Ingram, Mark Ingram, yeah. right? So you had Mark Ingram, you got Joe Mixon, at the Bengals, and you have the number one overall pick in this year's draft and Joe Burrow. Over up in Cleveland, you've got Baker Mayfield, who is the number one overall pick, and then you have uh, Nick Chubb, who almost, I mean, he was close to getting you know, the NFL rushing title last season, except for, you know, uh, Mark Henry got the, um, or, yeah, Derrick Henry got the uh, you know, running yards at the end of the season last game. And then, uh, you know, James Conner with the Steelers, plus Big Ben's coming back. So it seems that mm-hmm. you know you have this tandem all across you know in in your division here, and you know I mean is this just the mold now, or are people just trying to get good you know quarterbacks and running backs, or why does it seem like you know everybody has a either a talented or a prospect quarterback plus a very good running back? It's very interesting how you how you frame that there, Connor. To me, it it seems like when you look around the rest of the division it's kind of a product of just luck, to be honest, that they're all kind of paired in a duo fashion like you just mentioned. I don't know that it's a developing or contributing trend around the league, especially when you just brought up, we just brought up the fact that it's, it's usually not smart mm. to pay those running backs a second deal. And the only time you pay a running back on a second deal is when they kind of form a true duo with your quarterback in their own right. So to me, I would be like, for example, the Cleveland Browns, with how well Nick Chubb has played, and I expect him to play over the next two years, I would be shocked if they give Nick Chubb a second deal because of how expensive he's going to be and how that matches up with the payment timeline of Baker Mayfield and and seeing that they're going to have to give him a lot of money as opposed to siphoning some of that money to running backs. And then the Baltimore Ravens case, Mark Ingram, to be honest, guys, I wouldn't be shocked if uh, Wisconsin product Jonathan Taylor supplanted him this year in terms of lead back duties, and same with uh, same with the Pittsburgh Steelers. James Conner is, yes, the starter in name for them right now, but don't be shocked if somebody comes out of the woodwork and starts siphoning off carries from his him as well after he largely disappointed last year and hasn't really lived up to, uh, to the high bar he set in the one season uh, he replaced Le'Veon Bell a couple years back. Yeah, Russ, I thought you were talking about J.K. Dobbins rather than uh, Jonathan Taylor in Baltimore, but... Um... 
as he's there. He, he, uh, they drafted Dobbins. You said Jonathan Taylor, but uh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Taylor yeah. on the Colts. Dobbins, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Dobbins exactly. Dobbins, yeah. Dobbins, Ohio State product. Yeah. Thank right. You, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Colts used to be in Baltimore uh, a long time ago, though. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you know, just uh, kind of looking at, I think uh, the Bengals have a, one of the interesting positions for me this year is uh, the receiving group because you know. Boy's been playing really well the past couple of years. Hopefully you get A.J. Green back. You know, you draft T. Higgins in the second round. Auden Tate was coming on strong at times last year. And, of course, I think people were expecting John Ross to, you know, to step up this year as well. So, you know, what, what are you kind of expecting out of, out of the, from, those, uh, from that group of guys uh, this upcoming season with Burrow stepping in? I expect very, very big things out of this receiving crew, Joey, because of how loaded they are and how dynamic they are at each position. I forget what coach or, or general manager said it a couple years ago, but we, a lot of good teams view their receiving core kind of like a basketball starting five. You need a point guard. You need, that's the slot guy. You need a small forward. That's your T. Higgins. That's your A.J. Green. And you need a big center type that can go up and get the football. That's a guy like that could be A.J. Green as well or on Tate. So to me, the way this – current construction of the receiving room has been done it's been pretty much flawless in my eyes i i, I really see them getting at least top 10 production in terms of receiving units in the nfl out of this crew this season and it could be top five if the health holds and that's the big question here fellas john ross of course has missed a bevy of football games since he came in the league a few years ago aj green fellas hasn't been hit in an nfl game in almost two years it's been almost 21 months since aj green has been uh take has taken contact on an nfl field so the the worries about injury issues are there they're very prevalent but if they are able to get 12 to 13 games out of john ross and an aj green respectively and then you fill in the other roles with tyler boyd hopefully consistently being on the field like he has throughout his career 15 16 appearances from him and then a pop from Auden Tate or T. Higgins in that third or fourth receiver role, there's no excuse for this offense to not be at least middle of the pack, if not a top 12, top 10 unit, because you have such a loaded receiving core and you're bringing in the most prolific college quarterback in the history of that level of football and a 23-year-old college quarterback at that who is going to be very adept and has had a lot of experience with NFL type of systems and is just really ready to hit the ground running. You would love to have had some off-season workouts. You would have loved to have had some uh, some preseason games. I know Joe Burrow, in his most recent media session after their Sunday night scrimmage, noted that the only thing he's really worried about is getting hit for the first time. The, the first time Joe Burrow will experience an NFL hit, NFL contact, will be in the face of Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa and that vaunted right, right. defensive front from the Chargers. So. That's got to scare scare fans a little bit. But other than that, I, I think health pending, this is a top 10 receiving core, and they should perform like that. Yeah. And again, we're talking with Russ Helpman, producer, host, and runs a social media account for ESPN 106.5, the ticket up in Toledo, and, of course, a, a, a Bobcat alumni, an alumni here at the station, WATHWXTQ. Uh, Russ, you know, we, we've talked a lot about the offense, and I don't think – Yes, you, you are putting in a big piece in changing your quarterback from Dalton to Burrow, uh, but the offense really wasn't the highest concern last year, right? I mean, he did have some concerns, but the thing that really you know, 
made this team 2-14 and 14 was the defense. I mean, what did the Bengals do this offseason to try to get better and try to, you know, secure up some holes on defense? Well, biggest addition of the offseason, and arguably the, it is the biggest signing, free agent signing, that is, in the history of the Bengals franchise, DJ Rear. Now, that might not be a household name for many listeners of this program right now. Houston Texans, three technique, yeah. and, uh, and sometimes nose tackle down there for, uh, for the Houston squad. But he is one of the preeminent players at the interior uh, defensive lineman position. I'd say he's arguably top 10, or excuse me, arguably top five, definitely top 10 at his spot. He is one of the best run defenders in the NFL, and that's a big thing that the Bengals were keying in on this year, adding guys like DJ Reader, adding solid tacklers on the back end, and guys like Von Bell and Trey Waynes to go along with Mackenzie Alexander. Biggest reason for that, fellas? Two words. Lamar Jackson. Did you, we all saw the spin cycle he put Nick Vigil <laughs> through last year. That yeah. was the biggest highlight of the NFL season. Trust me, the Bengals do not want to be on the receiving end of another one of those highlights. So they went out. They put their money where their mouth was. They spent big on the defensive side of the ball. When you bring in guys like Trey Waynes and Mackenzie Alexander for over $50 million combined in free agent salaries, and then you give another $53 million to D.J. Reader. well, that shows the fan base, and it shows their new quarterback, or most importantly, that they are willing to spend to surround him with pieces that will make it much easier to have success in the NFL and it's going to be a very, very tough, tough blocking assignment for whoever is playing guard on either side of those centers on the interior of these trenches because Geno Atkins, DJ Reader, I'll be hard-pressed to find a more, uh, more dominant or more intriguing defensive tackle duo in the NFL. That's going to be a top-five duo, and it should hopefully extend the, uh, the waning a prime of Geno Atkins, who was on the field the most snaps he's ever played in his career last season because the Bengals were trailing so often. Their defense played more snaps than any other team in the NFL. you got to think that'll turn around this year with Burrow and the offense hopefully stringing together some more consistent drives and taking a little bit of pressure off a defense that has added a lot of pieces and is expected to go from one of the bottom three units in the NFL to at least mediocre to middle tier. But honestly, guys, with how bad the defense was and with the injury to Trey Waynes, most likely him missing the majority of the season, if not all of the season, it's going to be tough to get into that mediocre tier just simply because they're relying on a lot of young talent on top of the free agent additions. When you look at their linebacking crew, it's going to be Jermaine Pratt and Josh Bynes most likely to start the season. But they're hoping Akeem Davis-Gaither, Logan Wilson come, come along and, and end up taking some of those starter snaps. I don't know how much you can rely on that, though. We know how difficult it is to play linebacker in the NFL, let alone play it as a rookie. There's just not a large track record of success for rookie players at that position to come in and play even league average. So for a team that had the worst linebacking core in the NFL last year, I could see it being towards the bottom of the league once again. And when your linebackers are really bad, especially in this division against Lamar Jackson, it's really hard to stop teams on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, that's kind of what I wanted to turn to now, Russ. I mean, just trying to figure out what what are you know what our fans should be their expectations for this year? Because yes, I think the offense did it did improve leaps and bounds. I mean, you're returning a thousand yard rusher. The receiving core you think's going to be top ten. You bring in Burrow, but you got to look at the rest of the division. Ravens went fourteen and two last year. They might have gotten better on both sides of the ball. Steelers are returning mm-hmm. Big Ben. People think that that's going to you know they had a 
top five defense easily last year and returning pretty much everybody on that defense. Cleveland, new head coach, and it seems like they're really going to play to their strength and give Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt the ball and let Baker Mayfield run play action. I mean, you, the other conference, the other divisions they play, the you know, the NFC East and the AFC South, not the strongest conferences in the world coming into this season. But what what do you think fans' expectations should be for this Bengals squad this year? Well, I know everybody listening to this wants to uh, wants to see Joe Burrow pull an old Andrew Luck back in 2012, go from the go to the worst team in the league and lead them to an improbable 11 and five double digit win season, make the playoffs, but. I just think it's going to be very difficult for them to have sustained success this season, guys. Continuity is going to be king in the coronavirus 2020 NFL season. Teams that know what their identity is, know what their offensive scheme is, have players and veterans in those spots to execute those schemes are going to reign supreme. So, like you mentioned, I think Baltimore and and I honestly think there's going to be three playoff teams out of this division. The Bengals will not be one of them, and I predicted them to go 5-11 and this year, but when you think of 5-11, and 11, you're like, oh, that's not very good. That's not going to be very fun. Not so fast. I do believe Joe Burrow is going to put up big numbers this year. The fact that his over-under in Vegas for touchdowns was 21-and-a-half just a couple weeks ago is downright lunacy. I've seen it tick up over the past few days to right around 24. I really do believe he's going to be able to score points for this team. They're going to be in a lot of shootouts, but they're going to lose a lot of games. I got him going 5-11. and 11. And to be honest, I think fans should expect and hope for a very similar season to what the Arizona Cardinals and Kyler Murray were able to pull off last year. Going 5-10-1, Murray wins the Rookie of the Year, plays really well all season. They flash in some games, but they don't end up coming through down the stretch in a lot of them. But despite all that, it left the fan base with a lot of, uh, lot of excitement going forward, and they now have expectations once again in a very tough division, to compete and ultimately, I would think, from that fan base in Arizona to make the playoffs. So going into year one, heading out of year one for Bengals fans, they should expect this team to put up some some good numbers on the scoreboard, be in a lot of tight, close games, not necessarily finish most of them, go right around five, six wins, and then hopefully load up one more time, get that final piece for the offensive line in next year's draft. Panay Sewell out of Oregon, I'm looking at you and then have have expectations to make the playoffs in 2020, uh, excuse me, in 2021. So, like you guys just mentioned, it's just going to be very difficult in this division to make a lot of noise. And on top of that, they do have on paper a very easy schedule when you look at last year's winning percentage, guys. But the most accurate way to judge strength of schedule is not by looking at last year's win-loss record. It's by looking at how Vegas is forecasting teams this year. So in using Vegas win totals, projected win totals, the Bengals actually have the 10th most difficult schedule in the NFL this season. So to me, when you weigh all those factors, the inexperience, the coronavirus, the lack of preparation, all that stuff, it leads me to believe they'll go 5-11, and 6-10. and 10. But you never know, guys. What, what do we think the LSU Tigers were going to go last year? Maybe 8-4, and 9-3 <laughs> right, right. with how difficult that schedule was? Oh, they went 15-0, Heisman Trophy winner, national championship, buzzsaw through everyone. So I'm not saying I'm not saying it's out of the realm of possibility that the Bengals shock everybody and win eight to nine games because we know that's that is in the uh, in the cards for Joe Burrow every time he takes the field. Yeah, absolutely, Russ. And I yeah, really appreciate you taking the time to be with us here today. And 
Uh, you know, it, it's been so long. I mean, I texted you out of the blue the other day, but we got to keep in touch. Yeah, definitely, guys. Have me on whenever you want throughout the season. We could do, like, some weekly previews or something, the weekly Burrow fix. I know everybody in Southeast Ohio <laughs> can't get enough of, uh, of Joey B. So I love coming on. Love the work you guys are doing. Keeping it, keep holding the fort down strong there in Southeast Ohio. I love it. And, uh, yeah, I'm down to come on whenever you guys will have me. Well, we always appreciate it, Russ. Thank you. And, uh, you know, stay safe during these pandemic times and hope to catch up with you in person, hopefully in the near future. No doubt, fellas. Have a good weekend. Thanks a lot, Russ. Good talking to you, man. Again, that was Russ Helpman. Uh, does a lot of work up with uh, 10, uh, 106.5, the ticket, ESPN Radio, uh, up in Toledo. And, of course, you know, I said it before, but uh, as a Bombcat alum, I learned a lot from him when he was here uh, during his time. I mean, he was, he was here when we had Ryan Boyd. He was here when we had Lucas. Uh, so it, it's always great hearing from, from Russ. Um, and it was nice to him to, to take the time out of his day uh, to call in and talk a little bit about the Bengals because that season is coming up right around the corner. It's not this week. I think, what is it going to be, Joe, next week, the week after that? The week from today is uh, first Thursday night game, Chiefs and Texans. Yeah. And then three days after that, we got the full slate of NFL games. So. so it's under two weeks, under 14 days before we get started with this NFL season. we got to take a short break right here on the Sports Fan. On the other side, more high school sports, more NFL, we got a lot to talk about, and plus, maybe, maybe there's a chance that the Big Ten returns and plays football starting on October 10th, but we'll break it down right after this. You're listening to The Sports Fan on 970 and 97.1 FM, WATH. From concrete to roofing to siding and windows, J&K Contracting has you covered from the ground up. Whether it's a room addition, a complete home build, or your commercial projects, let the professionals at J&K be of service from groundbreaking to completion. And don't forget they accept all major credit cards. They even have free seamless gutters with every complete roof installation. Don't hesitate to call J&K Contracting at 740-698-3521 for a free estimate. Fairhope celebrates life. If you're facing an end-of-life situation, Fairhope Hospice and Palliative Care. It is never too soon to call. Fairhope is here to listen. You don't have to face it alone. Fairhope cares for your loved one where they live. Or, during times of stress, the Pickering House is a serene setting providing relief for the patient. To learn more about Fairhope's care from the heart, please call 1-800-994-7077. Fairhope Hospice, we celebrate life. For the best in rock, grunge, metal, and whatever, join Sky. Ah, oh, what a good night. Every Wednesday and Thursday night at 10 till midnight on Power 105 with Full Throttle. Hey, hey guys, I'm loving Full Throttle tonight. I'm rocking, you're rocking, shoot sugar, everybody's rocking tonight. Brought to you by Avalanche Pizza, where every pizza is an adventure. In association with Gruiser Realty and Building, Larry Conrath, he sells real estate. Larry Conrath, he sells real estate. Larry Conrath, he sells real estate. 5913015. What was that number again? I said 5913015. People join Walk MS to raise awareness and funds that change the world for everyone affected by multiple sclerosis. 
Walk MS brings communities together, creating teams with friends, loved ones, and co-workers to rally around those we care about and end MS forever. Together, we can change the world for people with MS. Register today at walkms.org. If you see news happening, call 740-205-8615. That's 740-205-8615. It could win you $50 in gift certificates from Airclaws, the Athens Area Chamber of Commerce, and the station that's first with news in Southeast Ohio, 970 WATH. You're listening to The Sports Fan on 970 WATH. And back inside for the sports fan right here on 970 and 97.1 FM, WATH. Mills of the mic alongside Joey Medora. We had Russ Heltman on the program. It's good to have Russ back on the airwaves at 970 WATH. And from a Russ to a Michael Roth. Uh, almost on the caller ID, it, it's not the first name. And I was going to call him by, by the name that comes up on the caller ID. I'm not going to do that. But Roth, the sports director over at WAB, uh, now calls into the program. Roth, how are you? Um, fantastic, Connor. Just, uh, just ready for week two high school football. And I guess, you know, when introducing you, I should say that you are also the producer, founder, uh, president of the 740 Zone, who's been going out and covering a lot of games around here in Southeast Ohio. Uh, you know, you guys had a couple good coverage. Um, you did, did a nice job in week one. Uh, but now getting ready for week two, uh, will you have somebody at this Athens and Vinton County game because I'm sure that this is going to be a pretty pivotal game here in the season. Yeah, you know, we're going to have content from the Athens and Vinton County game. We're pretty excited. Claire Geary is going to be uh, posting highlights and a recap of that one. Yeah, it's a very interesting game looking at it here, uh, Mike, because, you know, Athens-Alexander, I think a lot of people expected Athens to kind of roll in that game and, uh, Alexander really made a fight of it. Athens had uh, some struggles offensively with some drop passes and things like that, a couple turnovers. Uh, but they came out with the win. And kind of on the opposite side, VC in their first game versus Megs, it seemed like they dominated for three and a half quarters. And then just towards the end of it, you know, Coulter, Coulter Cleland got hot and then uh, turnover late in the ball game, and Cleland made him pay with a 40-yard touchdown pass to seal the victory. And just like that, VC's 0-1 in a game they really felt like they should have won. So, uh, you know, it's a, it's, a inter- it's definitely an interesting matchup coming into the week two. Yeah, you know, last year, both of uh, Meg and Alexander only won one conference game. And I think the teams expected to win, Athens and VC, they kind of just couldn't get anything going offensively that they were expecting. And the difference, why Athens came out on top and VC didn't, was Megs had somebody that could take him to the next level in Coulter Cleveland, where I don't know if Alexander has that one guy that can do it offensively, but I guess Alexander's defense was really solid. You know, we didn't have anybody at the Athens and Alexander game, so this will be the 7-4-0 zone's first uh, checking out of Athens this year. But based on what I read from the different uh, newspapers, whether that's the poster of the Athens messenger, it seems like Athens' defense or Alexander's defense, pardon me, uh, played pretty well. So maybe uh, maybe that'll be finding good things for the Spartans uh, after coming close to upsetting the Bulldogs in week one. And, you know, the other big game that's kind of going on this week is, you know, of course, our game of the week right here on the station, WXTQ Power 105. 
It'll be Trimble at Eastern. I mean, Eastern lost last week by a score of 34 to 20. Trimble beats NY by a score of 34 to 28. Uh, I mean, this is a different Trimble team this year. This is, you know, I don't know how to compare Eastern yet because Caldwell is a, is a pretty good team. But uh, when we take a look at it, you know, I, I still think that you know you got to give Trimble the, kind of the nod here because they haven't lost in the TVC Hawking. But you know, Eastern's got to be right up there with them. Yeah, I mean, I would say that preseason we thought it was going to be a three-horse race at the top of the TVC Hawking between Trimble, Waterford, and Eastern. And I thought Waterford was probably uh, favorite. That's who I picked to win. But I think you could have been right picking any one of them. And after week one, I think maybe Eastern isn't in that combo anymore. They could be wrong by getting a big week two victory at home, but I think losing to Caldwell compared to what Waterford and Trimble were able to do, I think Eastern uh, Eastern showed that maybe if they aren't just ready to step up and compete with Trimble and Waterford, who have kind of been running the hawking for the past like four years. Yeah, and it, it's you know it's it's a tough one to call here. I think because uh, as you say, it seems like it should lean towards Trimble. I mean, they got a big win over a. Uh, Trimble's a young team, and they beat a very experienced NY team and had a, had a pretty big lead. Uh, NY m- mounted a second-half comeback to make it uh, interesting there. But uh, Trimble came out on top, and then you have Eastern, who, uh, you know, another team with uh, a lot of returners. Uh, I believe they returned eight guys on both sides of the ball, but they come out and kind of, you know, they didn't exactly lay an egg, but I think it's a game that they expected to win, and they lost by two scores. So, I, you know, I don't know if, what should we should expect from Eastern this week because, you know, if you lose this one and fall to 0-2 on the season, you know, it, it almost feels like a must-win so early on in the year for them, especially if, you know, their aspirations this year were to compete for the TVC Hawking title. Yeah, I mean, if, if you lose this game to Trimble, you have to run the table the rest of the way and hope that most likely Waterford beats Trimble. Um, so... I would say if you want to win the TVC Hawking title, your you're pretty much only bet is to run the table. Um, we'll see what Eastern's made out of. You know, Trimble, we saw that they like to use their passing game in week one. Eastern loves their rushing attack, so maybe we'll see Eastern try and slow the game down, dominate time of possession. This Trimble rush defense is not as potent as it was last year. So maybe Eastern actually will be able to put up somewhat of a fight. And if they can control time of possession, maybe they're able to have the ball within a score uh, in the second half of this game with a chance to win. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if uh, you had Samantha Wiesnit, then you had uh, Jacob Murray going out and covering that game between NY and Trimble last week. Uh, But, you know, Trimble was the fortunate benefactor on offense. A couple of times it was fourth down and very long, and the Tomcats kind of just threw it up into the air, into the end zone. And you know, whether it was Bryce Downs or whether it was somebody else, uh, they came up with the ball more often than not. I mean, there was a fourth down situation where I don't think they even, I think they were three for three, at least in the fourth down conversions that mattered. Uh, but the Tomcats, you know, were kind of benefited from those Hail Mary passes, if you want to call it. Uh, but they were smart with the ball. They were, uh, you know, effective on offense. And their defense held strong until the end and uh, comes out with a win. But this is, a, a again, a different Trimble team. It's a team that uh, will go through some growing pains. But do you think that Eastern really has a uh, – does Eastern have enough 
to beat Trimble this week? I, I think probably not, but if it's ever going to happen, it'll be this week. You know, Trimble's still young. This is only week two for them. Figure they probably grew up a lot week one, but uh, this is still week two of a shortened season. Eastern got more experience. They're at home. Um, if it doesn't happen now for Eastern, probably never going to happen. I don't think it happens, but don't count Eastern completely out of it, um, is what I would say. I would pick Trimble to win, but I would not be completely stunned if Eastern was able to pull the upset. And, uh, Mike, pivoting to another <clears throat> important or very important game early on in the TVC Ohio side this time and why Owen one of course lost a tough one to Trimble you know they play Wellston and Wellston you know you know beat the breaks off River Valley week one and you know uh, I think Wellston was kind of a team that you know we didn't really look too much into this year we thought maybe last year was a was a one-year thing under Mike Smith but I think people kind of forgot they're the only team that made the playoffs last year in the conference so I mean what are you expecting from from this from that matchup between NY and Wellston you know preseason I thought just like the Hawking, I thought the Ohio was going to be a three-horse race with Athens, NY, and Wellston. And I really don't know what to take out of Wellston's Week 1 game. You know, they were up 41 nothing against River Valley in the second quarter. And then, I would presume, they played their backups the rest of the way because the final score was 41-6 or 41-7. Um, so we'll see what we have with Wellston. I don't think we learned anything about Wellston in Week 1. Um, they could... They could be the best team in the TBC Ohio. They could also be the third or fourth best team in the TBC Ohio. Um, we just don't know yet. And we're going to learn a lot about them week two against NY. And we'll see NY looks like they want to pass the ball again. That was kind of their bread and butter last year. You know, their, their rushing attack really didn't start to get going until later on in the season. They were trying to get the ball outside to guys like Keegan Wilburn. They can make plays. You know, Mikey Steele was near the top of the conference in passing, uh, and they want to do that again this year, does NY. So it'll be interesting to see if Wellston can continue their success that they had last year at NY. If they really beat NY pretty good on the road last year, and now they get the Buckeyes at home, this one could really go either way. You know, and the thing about Wellston is that I think a lot of people may or may not remember is that Wellston really was powered by Ryan Mollahan last year. I mean, Mollahan went down on an injury late in the season, uh, but really carried that team. But now it seems like they have built a, a, a program, really. I mean, Coach Smith has, has done a nice job with them, at least from what we can tell here in week number one. Uh, but it seems like this team has evolved just past one star, two stars. Now it's, you know, all right, Mollahan graduated, but now Wellston really has a chance to make a statement here in the TVC Ohio. Yeah, I mean, I think Wellston's wide receivers might be the best in the conference with R.J. Kemp and Hunter Smith. Um, so they've got playmakers. The, the question is, how much has Wellston improved at the quarterback position? You know, I'm not sure how much success you have against River Valley is going to be able to translate against the defenses of Vinton County, Athens, and Nelsonville, York. So that remains to be seen. But there are high hopes for this Wellston offense, even without Ryland Mulhan, because, you know, you get the ball to those guys, Hunter Smith, R.J. Kemp, they're going to be able to make plays. And I think that that's really Wellston's 
bread and butter on the offensive end where they're going to rely on their tough defense, but on, on offense, they want to get the ball to their wide receivers, and they think if they can get the ball in their hands more often than the other team can get in their playmakers' hands, that their kids are going to make more plays with the football. And Mike, what's a game down here in uh, Southeast Ohio outside of the TVC that, that you're really looking forward to uh, this Friday night? Uh, you know, we got a couple of really good games. Uh, first one that we're going to be at is Fort Fry at Warren. Uh, Fort Fry has won 20-something straight regular season football games. They are consistently one of the best teams in Southeast Ohio. They're traveling to Warren. You know, Warren, they gave up 50 or more points to Marietta four straight seasons. And then in week one, beat Marietta 28-6. to six. So from giving up 50 or more points four straight years to giving up six points, maybe this Warren defense is legit. They'll have a chance to prove that against a Fort Fry team that has not lost a regular season game uh, since 2017, I, think, I believe. I think it's now up to 27 straight regular season wins. Because I think coming into yeah, the so, season, it was at 26. So with their win last week, uh, that makes it now 27. That's good math. Yeah. That's easy math. So their, last loss, their last loss was sometime in, um, in 2017, like week uh, four or three. So that'll be interesting. And then a couple other games to just kind of monitor. A little bit further north, a Lima Central Catholic travels to Licking Valley. These are two teams that finished state-ranked in the AP poll last year. Licking Valley finished, uh, they were runners-up in Division Four, and um, Lima Central Catholic was ranked in Division Seven in the AP poll. So that's a pretty big game. Again, a little further north around the Newark area. And then the last one, Gallia Academy at Ironton. Gallia finished second place in the OVC last year. Ironton obviously won it. Uh, Ironton is a heavy favorite, but if there's going to be one team that forces Ironton to play their starters deep into the third quarter in the regular season, it will be Gallia. Um, that's just how good Ironton is. That My whole caveat is Gallia might force their starters to really play somewhat deep into the second half, uh, kind of kind of like Trimble was last year in the TBC Hawking. We figured maybe Waterford could force them. To, uh, keep their starters in longer most games. Uh, this Gallia has a very good team, but Ironton presumably is on a total another level. I, I would say Ironton and Jackson are the two best teams in all of Southeast Ohio, and both will be looking to compete for state titles this year. So we'll see Ironton. Big game for them. They're at home. Uh, Gallia, they went, I think, 9-1 last year and then lost in the first round of the playoffs. So they, they are legit, but Again, I think Ironson's on another level. Absolutely. Well, we appreciate you calling in, Michael Roth. And, uh, of course, again, Roth is a producer of the 740 Zone. You can catch them at the 740 Zone on YouTube, on, I think you got a Facebook probably, but you got a Twitter, uh, or you can just reach out to him and, and find out all the uh, places that you can hear or see all of their coverage. But thanks for calling in, Mike. Yes, thank you, Connor. We'll be interested in uh, hearing you at uh, whatever game that you guys are broadcasting this week. Yep. Athens and uh, what, Trimble Eastern? Yeah, we got Trimble Eastern over on 105.5. And then, of course, you can hear all the Athens Bulldogs games right here on 970 WATH. But looking forward to it. Thank you.
Start your mornings with Scott Daly from 6 to 12. Hop on the party line from 9 to 10. Join Sky Hope on Classic Caravan from 4 to 6 p.m. And listen into the sports fan at 6.06 on Classic Hits 970 and 97.1 FM WATH. When there's something strange, they're under your bed. Who are you going to call? Dustbusters! Athens Dustbusters are a licensed, bonded, husband and wife team that offer up top-of-the-line janitorial services at great prices, and they serve commercial and residences across Southeast Ohio. As the seasons change, don't worry about the cleanup. Call Athens Dustbusters at 740-541-7113 for a free quote. But don't just take our word about the Athens Dustbusters. Hi, I'm Sam. And I'm John. And we're Athens Dustbusters, and we will bust your dust. Breast cancer is not canceled. The Susan G. Coleman Columbus Virtual Southeast Ohio More Than Pink Walk is your opportunity to walk where you are and fundraise on behalf of those affected by breast cancer. People facing breast cancer need us now more than ever. Don't miss a virtual More Than Pink Walk on Saturday, September 19th. Every step we take helps women and men facing breast cancer today and brings us closer to a world without breast cancer. Register for free today. Visit ColemanColumbus.org. In today's world, the last thing you need is a broken cell phone. If you've got equipment in need of repair, Athens Cell Phone and Electronic Repair is here to help. Athens Electronic Repair services all brands of electronics, cell phones, tablets, game systems, and more. Plus, during the health crisis, Athens Cell Phone and Electronic Repair offers home pickup and delivery and a contact-free drop-off kiosk outside the store. Don't work from home with a busted computer. Call Athens Cell Phone and Electronic Repair at 740-590-1677 or visit the shop at 386 Richland Avenue, Athens. If you're a business owner, we know in spite of tough times, you still want to give your business all the financial protection it needs. This is Russ Norris with Matthews Insurance. In over 75 years, our business has been helping to protect Athens area businesses. Ohio Mutual and Matthews Insurance can provide you with the policy designed to serve your needs as well as fast and fair claims service and a great price too. Contact us today at 740-593-5573 or Google us, Matthews Insurance. Friendly, reliable, local. No one knows sweet tea like the folks around here. Because folks around here know what it feels like to earn something. And there's nothing more rewarding than the taste of fresh brewed tea sweetened just right. Like Mickey D Sweet Tea. Now it comes in a new cup that keeps the tea cold longer. So whether you're taking a 10 or because, whew, it's hot out here, your sweet tea will be cold. So stop by McDonald's and get any size sweet tea for just a dollar. Lemon available upon request. Claim compared to prior large size beverage cup. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. From concrete to roofing to siding and windows, J&K Contracting has you covered from the ground up. Whether it's a room addition, a complete home build, or your commercial projects, let the professionals at J&K be of service from groundbreaking to completion. And don't forget they accept all major credit cards. They even have free seamless gutters with every complete roof installation. Don't hesitate to call J&K Contracting at 740-698-3521 for a free estimate. This is the Sports Fan on 970 WATH. And back inside for the Sports Fan right here on 970 and 97.1 FM WATH. It's been a good show. We had Russ Hupman on talk a little bit about the Bengals. Michael Roth talked a lot about the high school sports scene as we get ready for high school sports coming up. Uh, but the unfortunate news that we heard yesterday that the news broke was that Hall of Fame pitcher and former New York Met, former Cincinnati Red, and a couple others, but the icon Tom Seaver has died at the age of 75. Seaver died on Monday from complications of Lewy body dementia and COVID-19. His family announced in 2019 he had dementia. 
Tom Terrific was one of the greatest pitchers in baseball history, the revered and star of the 1969 Miracle Mets championship team. A classic power pitcher nicknamed the franchise, won 311 games and struck out 3,640 batters from 1967 all the way through 1986. Former Mets catcher Mike Piazza said Seaver will always be the heart and soul of the Mets. After retirement, Seaver tended to his Northern California vineyard. George Thomas Seaver, again, was 75. Uh, but, you know, mentioned Seaver. He was a Cincinnati Reds pitcher. That was the, the Midnight Massacre trade. If uh, you're a baseball fan, remember that back in 1977. Overnight, contract disputes between the Mets and Tom Seaver uh, did not go over well. And uh, Mets ownership made one of the worst decisions in franchise history in trading away their franchise pitcher. Uh, but uh, that is history. Uh, he had a very storied career. He's a Hall of Famer, was a Rookie of the Year, and uh, you know, left his mark on the baseball scene. But Tom Seaver, again, passes away at the age of 75. But with that, uh, Cincinnati Reds will come up. Uh, they got the Reds tomorrow. It's a doubleheader against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, for the Pirates, they've got uh, – it's been a rough season for them, but the Reds need to capitalize on the doubleheader tomorrow and really uh, you know, try to turn their season around while they still can. Yeah, I mean, uh, it looked like they tried to – Turn a bit of a corner there for a little bit, but you know, just same old woes. Uh, bullpen's not playing well. You know, they had a they had a point in the season where the bats were just, I mean, you know, cold as a block of ice, and uh, you know, they just keep on falling further and further behind. They got to start uh, doing something here. Still uh, in fourth place, still trying to catch up with St. Louis and Milwaukee for that second spot, and uh, they got to do it soon. They're playing Pittsburgh, so they got to pick up a couple wins. Well, Reds won't be on the radio tomorrow. It'll be the Athens Bulldogs as they host Vinton County. And over on XTQ, it'll be Trimble at Eastern. Thanks for tuning in to the Sportsman. We'll see you next time. In our 70th year of service to Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM.